ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode six of the Football Fate and How to Change It podcast. Still haven't found a barbers. Uh, my name is Tim, and I'm joined, as always, for the sixth consecutive occasion by Warren Dennis Frogger. How are you doing, my good friend? I'm doing really good. I'm really excited to continue breaking the record for most numbers of factory co-hosting spots. Uh, I'm up to six. I don't really see anyone <laughs> you coming are close to me in the clear. near future. Six clear six of, the, clear of, the, of, the, of the chasing pack. But uh, no, I'm doing, I'm doing just great, mate. How are you? Yeah, well, I'm very good. We're both very good tonight. I'll tell you exactly why. We're recording this on uh, the 15th of February. Love was in the air. Mm. Um, but tonight, what's in the air is attacking football. Uh, David Moyes with yet another masterclass. We've just beaten Sheffield United 3 0. Uh, we don't have a senior striker, but we were fucking great going forward. Don't understand it at all. I'll be honest, mate. I was worried, given especially the shit that you've given Sheffield United mm. in this podcast mm. so far. Um, I don't really have too negative opinion about Sheffield United. I guess they kind of pissed me off, but that's yeah. more kind of through osmosis through you, to be honest. Yeah. I was really convinced that was going to come back to bite us, but apparently not. So uh, it's a good night for Fatchy. Oh, it's a fantastic night for Fatchy. And what makes it even better is that I got out of having to watch Wednesday on Saturday. Frozen pitch down at S6. You can't oh, it was. Better than that. It's been postponed for about six months as well. So, you know, <laughs> it's brilliant. Great They'll it until next year if they can. But uh, oh, anyway, no, we mate. need the points. Um, yeah, fair point <laughs> on Wade, actually. Uh, anyway, in terms of uh, tonight's podcast, mm. or, or this evening, or this morning, depending on when you're listening, for us it's tonight. What are mm. we talking about, mate? I want you to blindspiel the people, which is the word <laughs> we've just come up with in our little preamble. <laughs> yeah, blindspiel is when I don't do any preparation about explaining what the moment is, and I just do it right now. The um, <laughs> the tall tale that we're spinning is, it's it, to be honest, I think it's a really spicy one. It's the ghost goal situation that developed in the semi-final second leg of the Champions League in 2005, where Chelsea were playing Liverpool at Anfield, and Luis Garcia uh, stabbed a shot towards goal, only for, seemingly, William Gallas to uh, get back on the cover and clear it out, while the um, TV pictures were fairly inconclusive. Uh, with the result of modern technology, it was definitely adjudged uh, after the fact, much, much later on, that it didn't go over the line. Uh, referee that day, he took a different view, and the goal was given um, despite... Really, all you need to give a goal is for the ball to go over the line. Uh, yeah. and, that, and that didn't happen. And yet a goal Crucially was lacking given. Yeah. in that situation. I and, read in uh, my preparation there was a motion expert i didn't know they existed yeah. why would you a motion expert said that it did cross the line yeah given the motion imagine that being your job i'm a motion expert well in, like, you know in motion you are versed yeah. on i assume you've obviously yet to see me dance tim but uh you know <laughs> i've seen that many a time dark <laughs> rooms mind you uh, no, and true. it's a haunting thing that will live with me long into the death of the uh what's that industry that's completely blind spiel. <laughs> hospitality. hospitality. The hospitality industry. That's dead. Remember that? Uh, well, I yeah. will never forget uh, having to watch you. I would I would describe it as bop. Mm. Bop and groove rather cut, than... Cut some else. shapes that are new to mathematics. You know, a lot of them. They would be laughed out <laughs> by A-level exam paper. GCSE exam paper. Yeah. But um, 
or, or any other exams around the world. I, mm. I think we've got one game mm. from Canada who listens, so whatever your equivalent is, I guess. Cheers right? to you. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, we're doing the ghost goal, basically. Short answer. And uh, yeah. Tim's going first. I am going first, given West Ham scored three goals tonight. Oh. Uh, oh, this, this goes to Ryan Fredericks for scoring the last goal, which technically means I go first, despite that being a rule that we've never really stuck to. No. Uh, but for tonight, it will be. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to have a swig of bite. It's an IPA that I'm drinking tonight. I've already told mm. you this, but I couldn't find any beers in the fridge. Um, if sick. Harry Benjamin's listening, this is proof I am drinking your birthday present to me. It's and a uh, quick one, this one. Be- quick yeah, one before you uh, do get started. Um, I'm going to give a special shout out, as I promised, uh, to mine and Tim's pro clubs, uh, <laughs> FIFA club, who are having a big session tonight, which we can't be yeah. part of because we're giving you lovely people a podcast. But to the boys down at Bag of Beans FC. Uh, you know, Mikel Antonio, he plays for him. Uh, Spaghetti Jones, Jones and the yeah. rest. Um, best of luck to you. Uh, hopefully, you improve on our last outing, which was uh, four losses. Shambolic, I would describe it as. But the Bag of Beans and the Heinz 57 are places where, you know, anything can happen, much like anything can happen <laughs> in the real world of football. So, our apologies to Bag of Beans, but we have important business to attend to. And I we do. will slap the table again or the desk. Um, anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking kick off, mate, because I want it. Yeah. So, join me a tease for you, Warren Frogger. Oh yes, always. always, always. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you a couple of things. This is how Luis Garcia's ghost goal against Chelsea, not being given in the 2004-05 Champions League semi-final second leg at Anfield, mm. led to all of the following. It led to. You know, like a spooky theme with ghost goals, spooky career changes for two of England's greatest products, a World Cup humiliation, the beginnings of a great footballing rivalry in North America, oh. two separate references to Game of Thrones, <laughs> the inevitability of local heroes on Merseyside, the inevitability of Andy Gray commentating on them local heroes on Merseyside, oh. a forgotten man claiming glory, and a famous goal scored in Germany celebrated in the Caribbean, but very much made in Sunderland. <laughs> okay, I've started the clock. The clock's going. So, we are about three minutes into the game at Anfield. Champions League, mm. semi-final, second leg. And it's a frenzy. This is, you know, this yeah. is a huge game. There's a nil-nil draw at the bridge. Um, so, it all comes down to tonight, really. Uh, Chelsea, probably maybe the advantage. I guess they drew at home, but no away goals. All they need is one. You know my feelings on away goals. Mm. Um now hoping to get to the first ever uh, European Cup final, as in, you know, the big boy European Cup. Yeah. Liverpool hoping to get to their first since 1984. So what's that? 21 years? 20 years. My maths serves me. So, you know, big deal. As for the ghost goal moment, the sliding doors moment is what if the goal isn't given. Now, there's a compelling case that even if the penalty weren't given, uh, the goal weren't given, sorry, a penalty is given for the foul on Milan Barros, who stabbed towards the goal. Not Milan Barros. Luis Garcia, of yeah. course it was. No, yeah, it was Milan was. Barros, wasn't it? And then yeah. Garcia has a little stab at it. Yeah. Um, Milan Barros, by the way, wearing number five. What's that about? That's up there with Harold uh, and Carno wearing Excuse number four. me, Tim. I think you'll find that Callum Patterson uh, is a cracking <laughs> number five for Wednesday up front. So we'll have less <laughs> of that chat. Fucking says it all. Your strike is always number five. Stephen Fletcher was on number six, wasn't he? Uh, he but, was. Um, yeah. Anyway, there's a compelling That's case that a penalty gets given. And in fact, the referee, after the fact, Lubos Michel actually said that he gave the goal after talking to the Lino, but had the Lino said it weren't a goal, he was given a penalty and sending Petr Cech off. To me, that seems like a really easy answer, just mm. to kind of 
dispel any kind of, ah, uh, you know, Liverpool wouldn't have won if it weren't for that goal. Um, so, for me, knowing what referees are like, it's a big decision on four minutes in a huge game. And it's very much going to go one way or the other. Either they want to be the man that gives that big decision mm. in four minutes, or they bottle it. In my universe, I'm going for that reality. I'm going, Lino doesn't give it, and Michelle bottles giving a pen because it's only four minutes in. Mm. And, uh, you know, he just won't do it. Probably was a penalty, to be honest. But I'm going to say Gallas smacks it off the line. It's 11 v 11, 86 minutes to play. We're playing on. Mm. Um, now, to this point, in both the teams' runs to this game, uh, their key player was arguably two members of England's very dysfunctional midfield goal generation at the time. Mm. And if my memory serves me right, Warren, you can pray, maybe confirm this for me. They were both five-star shinies in shootout card terms oh, well, back uh, then. Yes, if you're talking um, about... Uh... You know, Frank and Stevie, you'd be absolutely yeah, spot right. Yeah, I just realised I actually hadn't told you who it was, but you're absolutely bang on. Uh, Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard. And I'm trying to think of the other five-star shinies. I think Rooney, Shearer. I remember Jervain Defoe getting it, which I thought was an outrage. But anyway. Yeah, who knows? Um, both had a big hand in getting their teams to this point. Mm. Lampard scored four goals in his last three games in the Champions League, including a brace at home to Bayern Munich in the quarterfinals. Mm. Whereas Gerrard... Uh, he was obviously a driving force in Liverpool's run. This was the year where in real life they actually won the whole thing. Mm. He scored that famous uh, goal against Olympiacos in the last group game with the whole Andy Gray. Mm-hmm. That whole thing. Um, that was Gerard as well. So, you know, they've been the main players so mm. far. But with the game at nil-nil without the ghost goal, these are the two players that take this game over. Both put in world-class performances in this game. But you've got when you kind of take them out, you've got to look at the talent around them to see who comes out on top. And that year, there's only one winner. This is the Chelsea team that won the league mm. by 12 points. They've only lost one league game all year. Lampard himself sealed the title with that brace at Bolton. Yeah. Whereas Liverpool haven't even fucking finished in the top four this year. You know, in terms of talent around their main man, it's Chelsea all day long. So mm. about 25 minutes gone, Chelsea strike. Frank Lampard in front of the cop, and it's a crucial away goal. And you know how I feel about away goals. Yeah. That means, you know, Liverpool need two now. And then with 20 minutes left, pretty much game set and match and it's Frank Lampard striking again this time he's dying towards the away end at Anfield it's pandemonium Liverpool need three goals in 20 minutes now it's not happening Chelsea are getting to the first European final since the UEFA Cup in 1998 against Stuttgart which I never knew they got to Uh, yeah I mean to be fair we both I think we were both that one at the time but I never knew that happened Uh, so that was exciting anyway Lampard looks to have scored a crucial break for the second time this season and he looks to have got one over Stevie Gerrard, uh, who does pull one back, to be fair, with about five minutes left. But it's not enough. Chelsea win 2-1, and Chelsea go through to Istanbul. And at full time, there's a bit of an iconic piece of videography, I guess is the word, mm. um, where Gerrard is just sat in the centre circle on his own. Just, you know, no one near him, just him. And he's looking at the cop, and everyone's streaming out. And then he's looking over to the wild celebrations over in the away end in the blue corner. And he just looks defeated, Stephen mm. Gerrard. It almost looks like something's died in Stephen Gerrard that day. Uh, and so we go at the final. Obviously, he's left at home. He's, uh, I don't know, he's probably on holiday somewhere. Um, yeah. But Chelsea are against that great AC Milan team. And to an extent, the first half's fated. The AC Milan team is always going to come flying out of the traps. So Paolo Maldini, what player, he still scores from a corner inside a minute. And then Hernan Crespo, who actually joined Chelsea the year after, yeah. he makes it 2-0 uh, on 39 minutes. But half-time is 2-0 rather than 3. The second half has a fated moment as well. And that's on 54 minutes. 
in you know in real life initially John Arna Racer pings a crossing Cafu blocks it Racer has another bite and it's Steven Gerrard underneath it and he makes mm. it 3-1 watching that goal back is an unbelievable header because he has mm. to generate like all the power like he's free but he's got to generate all the power it's an outrageous header and it's such a kind of dragging his team back into it moment yeah the exact same thing happened but starting left back in the semi-final which I'm going to assume in the final as well would have been the case was the man who cleared Luis Garcia's effort off the line, oh. William Gallas, he swings the ball in and the man underneath it is our Fat Frank. Mm. Now, does Fat Frank have it in him to drag his team back into this game? Albeit, you know, they've, they've got one less goal down than Liverpool as well. Mm. And this is a sliding doors moment in its own right in this universe, but it's one that the fans would ever even never even know about, wouldn't even realise. If Lampard scores this header, I'll tell you now, he, uh, he sticks the penalty away on the hour and Chelsea win the game and Lampard becomes a club legend at Chelsea and he maintains his reputation. He's the big man for the big occasion and he always steps up for Chelsea when they need him. Mm. That don't happen. Mm. Lampard's head is a P-roller. He he's, doesn't get anywhere <laughs> near the same level of you know, force that Gerrard get behind it. He just rolls into the hands of Dida who starts a quick counter-attack. He flies out. Chelsea had thrown a few men forward. Long story short, about 10-15 seconds later, Ball lands at the foot of Andre Shevchenko, Ugh, the man yeah. who missed the penalty in real life that sealed the game. Miss Universe, he sealed it the other way on 55. It's 3 0. And then, uh, you know, like I say, that was a defining moment in Frank Lampard's career, which people mm. wouldn't even know about. And the first act of the less good bit, so to speak, uh, is kick started on the 60th minute, where, as fated, Chelsea get a penalty, or at least, you know, Liverpool got a penalty. This is Universe, Chelsea to get a penalty. But the difference is this is to make it 3-1 rather than 3-0. Frank Lampard steps up and the other thing that's fated here is spaghetti legs, except it's Dida, not Dudek. Dida gives him spaghetti legs and it's a shocking effort from Lampard. It's tame. Dida saves it easy to his right and that's it. That's kind of the final flames gone now. Chelsea at B. There is a late consolation from Drogba, uh, who is actually the big man for the big occasion, of course yeah. he is. Um, but that's the high point in an otherwise disappointing day for Chelsea. It just felt like nothing was going to go their way and they've been beaten 3-1. AC Milan, Champions League winners. But moving into the next season, despite that, the general mood around Chelsea is quite good because they won the league at a canter last year and that was their first in 50-odd years. It's part of a league and league cup double and they were beaten. They got all the way to a Champions League final, their first ever, and beaten by probably the best team in Europe at the time. Yeah, so definitely. it still feels good and things are about to get better because you might remember that in the summer of 2005 in real life Steven Gerrard very nearly moved to Chelsea oh now so we've does. already got designs on an episode where what if Gerrard moved to Chelsea mm. in season probably season 2 we'll bring that one out some might say Tim here's a little <laughs> bit of fatchy trivia when yeah. you pitched me the idea for this whole entire podcast uh, that was the very example that you used. It you is. wrote a little script for it. So you. yeah, th- this Tim's, is an interesting one because I've already got a script for this on the notes on my phone and you haven't. It's a very interesting one, so that will mm. come out at some point. But let me tell you, Lampard, uh, Gerard, sorry, does join Chelsea here, but this is going to be very different. Very mm. different. I'm not going to oh, give anything yeah. away for that one. <laughs> but essentially, Gerard in the summer of 2005 here as well does join Chelsea. Now, remember I told you to read... This is the reason why. I told you that it felt like something had changed in Gerrard's internal makeup the yeah. day of that semi-final when they got knocked out. To this point, Gerrard had four major four major honours to his name. He had two League Cups, he had yeah. an FA Cup, and he had the UEFA Cup. 
they're all good. You know, pretty good honors. Yeah. yeah, four trophies in a career. You're good. But Steven Gerrard wants the big ones. He wants the Champions League and yeah. he wants the Premier League. Those are the two that he wants. And when taking stock of the situation, sat in the uh, centre circle Anfield that night, he's thinking, we haven't even, because Liverpool only qualified for the Champions League the next year because they won it in yeah. real life. So he's sat there thinking, we haven't even got Champions League. We've finished fifth this year. And that clearly means they're, you know, some way off in terms of league terms. They're not going to be even competing in the Champions League next year. So he won't even have a chance to win that. They're not even the best team in Merseyside. Everton finished fourth yeah. that year. Like, he's thinking at that point, something snaps inside Steven Gerrard's mm. head. And that's that he values himself. He values his reputation and he values his legacy over mm. his loyalty. He wants medals. He wants success. And he wants proper medals. And the irony is, had he stayed at Liverpool for another year, Liverpool would actually have had one more medal on his old medal count at the end oh, of 2005 really? 6. And I'm going to tell you why that is. How's that happened, Tim? I bet you're I was asking. about to ask. Yeah, Please well, do. Ask do it right, right now. How's that happened, Tim? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. <laughs> That's brilliant. Brilliant podcast in all round. <laughs> we planned that. Up until yeah. this point has been completely... 10 minutes expensive. 51. <laughs> <laughs> now we, now we divert. Now it anyway. really is blind spiel. <laughs> um, right, so Liverpool have lost Gerrard, uh, which is obviously a big blow. But they yeah. actually, you know, they get a pretty penny for it and they spend that money wisely. And now that a local hero's gone, they need another man to fill their boots. Now, I've just started watching Game of Thrones. Mm. Uh, I'm up to what's end of season three. I just watched The Red Wedding, which was interesting. Um, but there's one thing which I think is pretty key here. This is the first reference. And that's at the start, there's this saying, which I don't know if you've watched it, Frog. Have you watched it? I never have. Nah, shame. Uh, there's, a, there's a big family called the Starks, and they're like the big family right. in the north, essentially. And their main kind of city where they all hang out, I guess is called Winterfell. And there's a kind of saying that they say a lot at the start, which is there must always be a Stark in Winterfell. So if, any, if someone's off to do a job or something, yeah. um, thinking about in the South. <laughs> They're out of that, office. Yeah, if someone's out of office, like a Stark needs to be in Winterfell, essentially. Right. Even if it's like the little nipper, someone's got to be there. Yeah, yeah. Much like there must always be a Stark in Winterfell, there must always be a Scouser at Anfield. Mm. And it's got to be better than Jamie Carragher. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> ideally. <laughs> yeah. So they needed someone to fill Gerrard's boots. They needed a local lad to fill Gerrard's boots. And there was a young centre midfielder that made 10 appearances for Liverpool the season before who was born and bred in the city. And he once stated in 2005 that he'd give an arm and a leg to play in any position for that club. Warren Froggart. Does the name Darren Potter mean anything oh, to you? Oh, my goodness. Darren Does it mean Potter. something to me? <laughs> I really thought it would. So uh, you you probably know this, but in another universe, uh, Darren Potter would turn out 96 times for the famous blue and white of Sheffield Wednesday. What a but player. here, with Gerard out the team, it's Darren oh. Potter who starts getting his chances at Anfield. Let and he grabs them with all his arms and legs. Let me tell, tell you, me. he was a good little player, Darren Potter. I have nothing against him. Um, I've never known someone so consistently be on set-piece duty and yet so consistently under-deliver to, uh, <laughs> to to put a ball anywhere that you would, might expect it to go. That being said, uh, good servant. Um, I wish him all the I best believe, in this tall tale. I believe you uh, got relegated with him? Yeah. Probably them set pieces. Well, let me tell you, good news for you. Well, I mean, I say good news. You probably won't ever see him because I will break it. Maybe he gets a little stint at the end of his career at Wednesday. Yeah, but yeah, in the alone. prime of his career, he doesn't get anywhere near Hillsborough. And I assume his set pieces get better, so that's good news. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like I say, he grabs his chance. 
he takes Gerrard's spot, and the next season, 2005-06, he gets 11 goals for the year. Uh, Liverpool finish fourth. They're back in the Champions League, and Darren Potter is starting to become a bit of a Liverpool fixture here. Wow. You might think their medal comes in the FA Cup, uh, but the one thing that Potter can't change is, uh, well, I mean, that was the Gerrard final. It's not the Potter final. Of course, That sounds yeah. like a game of Quidditch to uh... me. Um, because Gerrard's dicking about Chelsea now, who, to be fair, Liverpool beat in the semi-final for the FA Cup. But in the final, when the fated Carragher own goal and Big Dean Ashton make it 2-0 to West Ham inside half an hour, there's you know there's no Liverpool comeback because there's mm. not Gerrard planning each perfect ball to Gibral say to make it 2-1 and there's not him just, just doing utter ridiculous shite that I still won't believe to this day in the second half. So the only goal coming late in that game is a late clincher from big man Marlon Harewood. Oh, yes. Um, who scores to make it 3-0 in the FA Cup final, as he would have done if it wasn't for fucking cramp uh, in real life. So mm. West Ham, in this very shirt, reason I'm wearing it, oh, uh, win their fourth FA Cup. 3-0 over Liverpool, and me and my dad have a much more pleasant journey home from Cardiff. Uh, <laughs> but Liverpool... What do, you, what do you... Just a quick question. Sorry, what do you think of that shirt you've got on? You know, if you'd have won the Cup final in it, obviously it would have become very much famous. Is it worthy of that? Do you like it? I mean... I do quite like it, but I don't really... I think I like it because this, you know, peek behind the curtain, 5-6 is my first year with a season ticket. Mm. So I think I really like it for that reason. But then, you know, the fact that it was the cup final... I don't... It, had we won the cup final, it would be yeah. one of my all-time favourite shirts. Uh, it's a bit weird. It's like got a kind of stuck... It's like someone stuck the crest on like it's a sticker. <laughs> uh, it's like peak kind of mid-2000s Reebok design, which yeah. is interesting. Oh, yeah. I quite like it, but I think it's just a personal one. Nice. It's my first year season ticket. Yeah, oh, I don't mind it. Anyway, Liverpool's medal. I've got to speed mm. up because I'm fucking miles behind here. <laughs> Liverpool's medal. That comes in Eindhoven. Obviously, Liverpool drops into the UEFA Cup that year, given they didn't win last year's Champions League. Mm. So after a second place finish in their group, they get knockout wins over Art Media Bratislava, Udinese and Schalke which bring Liverpool to a semi-final with Sevilla. As we all know, Sevilla don't get beaten in UEFA Cups or Europa League. That's like an unwritten rule. Yeah. Or do they? Or do they? I'm going to break that rule because, and I think I've got good grounds to do it, Warren. Okay. Sevilla's first UEFA Cup title was that season. It was 2005-06, which just underlines how ridiculous ridiculous that it is that they've got six now and we're, what, 15, 16 years on? Yeah. That's mental. But anyway... Um, because this is the first one, that record ain't really there at the moment. So Liverpool mm. actually piss on this particular fire before it ever gets the chance to burn. Uh, as fated, the first leg finishes 0-0 at Anfield. It's never a 1-0 Sevilla win in the second leg. It's a 1-0 loss uh, to Liverpool in the Ramon Sanchez-Pichuan. And uh, you might you might be thinking, yeah, it's a great ground. Uh, you might be thinking, 0-0 in the first leg, 1-0 in the second leg. There's only one man that could have scored that goal. And it's a controversial one. In extra time, step forward, Luis Garcia. Did oh, it cross the Luis. line? Fuck knows. <laughs> technology then either. So uh, it gets given. Liverpool go through to an all-English final against Middlesbrough, who keep cropping up in these tall tales mm. in 2006 against Eindhoven. And once again, they get beat. It's a 2-0 Liverpool win. Everyone's favourite Norwegian, other than maybe Breda Hangerland, uh, John Arnaresa gets yeah. the first one. And uh, it's a clincher from rising sensation Darren Potter. Oh, makes yes. it 2-0 and Liverpool have their fourth UEFA Cup. Now for Chelsea, mm. Steven Gerrard, obviously, he's missing out on all this because he's just moved into his lovely mansion, I'm assuming, somewhere in the Putney, Fulham area. Mm. Um, and you'd assume this Chelsea team is going to be even better this year. 
Yeah. Because, you know, they were already the strongest team in the country and then they had maybe the best midfielder in the country into that mix. So it goes exactly as horrendously as you might expect. <laughs> Lampard and Gerrard can't play together, Warren. They, they can't do can't. it. And no. we keep it all very brief. The Champions League ends in Barcelona. It's a 3-0 defeat in the last 16. And it could be a while until they have another chance to get back there because the league really goes south. Uh, instead of winning the title, it's fated defeats away at Blackburn and Newcastle at the end of the season, which actually sees Liverpool finish in fourth and Chelsea finish down in fifth below mm. them. And in case you're wondering, uh, United win the league. Uh, the only cons- consequence of Lasagna Gate is Arsenal pit Tottenham to automatic, <laughs> automatic group stage qualification in the Champions League and cancels some Tottenham's day. Um, so that all happens. But there is one more humiliation before the end of the 2005-06 season, and that comes in Germany. The World Cup 2006. That was obviously the World Cup where Sven persisted in playing Lampard and Gerrard as a midfield duo. Yeah. And especially in this universe, that's even more crass given they had such a poor season together with yeah. Chelsea. And the World Cup goes exactly as you might expect. They lose their opening uh, group game, England, 1-0 to Paraguay. An early oh, Roque Santa Cruz goal. Naturally. World Cup hero in uh, oh, yeah. some tall tales. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> the second game potentially is even worse, and this is that famous goal in Germany. Uh, Peter Crouch had put us 1-0 up from a corner against Trinidad and Tobago but right Robot. at the death it's a nice bit of interplay it's a Carlos Edwards cross headed in by Kenwin Jones Ken it's Wing. a goal celebrated the most famous goal in Trinidad and Tobago's history scenes in the Caribbean in Germany but as you can quite clearly see that's a goal made in Roy Keane's Sunderland era um, I, I think actually no I was about to say Ipswich but I think that was only Carlos Edwards and Roy Keane I don't mm. think Kevin Jones ever made it down to Ipswich. Anyway, no. incredibly, England were actually still in the running at this point. They could qualify because they were on one and group leaders Sweden were only on four. And that's who they played next. And the fans are imploring Sven to change it up, play Carrick, play Hargreaves, play someone. Uh, neither transpired and Sweden beat us 3-0. And we're yeah. out. Uh, one goal scored, five conceded. It's embarrassment. But we're back to Chelsea for 2006-07. And uh, it's probably a result of all of that shit uh, there have been rumblings of discontent in the Chelsea camp. More rumours than anything. Yeah. But it, it was just a bit of an uncomfortable atmosphere. And that was near enough confirmed when a shock transfer developed towards the end of the summer. Despite starting in an open day uh, one or draw against Manchester City and actually scoring as well, mm. Steven Gerrard is left out the next week. And uh, by halfway through the week after that, Steven Gerrard's off on the road again. And he's joined European giants AC Milan on a one-year Ooh. loan deal. Now, Lampard is about a year into his new identity of just shirking the big moments, <laughs> whereas this is now a development that. of Gerard's kind of trophies over loyalty type psyche. And yeah. This is where my second Game of Thrones reference comes in. Okay. Uh, there's a character in Westeros, which is like, you know, the place, uh, who bears a striking resemblance to Gerard at the minute, and that is a character called Bronn. Bron is essentially Warren. He's like a sellsword. He's a fucking oh, good yeah. fighter. He'll, he'll okay. fucking cut your head right clean off. Okay. Right. He's fucking good, but he's got no loyalty. Mm. And, you know, he wants to be recognized as a top tier fighter. And he fucking knows he's a top tier fighter as well. Yeah. But he's just going to go wherever he's paying him the most. Whoever he's paying him the most, Bron will go there. Like Gerard will go there. If mm. you're paying him, Gerard will fight for your side and he will be effective. But let's not get this mixed up. Okay. If someone else in a bigger, richer, more successful castle wants to pay him more, don't be shocked when Gerard is straight out that fucking door and slitting yeah. your own throat as he goes. Like, it don't matter who it is, this guy, whoever's paying him more, he'll go there. Yeah. So whether it was the feud with Lampard or Mourinho or just tactical reasons, who knows, 
Marie, uh, Milan come calling. Gerard goes. He gets a bit of money. It works for all parties. Mm. Now, the two comps to focus on for this year. Uh, the first one's the Premier League, briefly. Uh, and then the Champions League. So, Premier League, uh, Chelsea improve on their fifth place finish and actually get back into the Champions League. Uh, with the Gerard and Lampard sideshow now no longer a distraction. Mm. Uh, I didn't realise they bought John Obi McKell from Man United that year. 16 yeah. million. Yeah. Crazy money. And he actually hits the ground running in this universe and Chelsea finished third behind United in first. But crucially, Liverpool in second. Mm. Uh, Arsenal were fourth. Um, uh-huh. Lampard again average season at best and if anything Mikel outshines him Mikel looks like a better player for most of that year. <laughs> now there's a world there's a world <laughs> but the Champions League the final's fated it is Milan against Liverpool in the Champions League final Ooh, in Athens okay. but how he got is a bit all over the place given last year's Premier League standards are a bit all over the place as well so Milan beat Arsenal in the semi-finals and Gerrard's actually among the scorers as Milan beat the North Londoners 3-0 at San Siro mm. to seal it. On the other side of the draw, uh, Liverpool's run's a, a bit more storied. It's a routine win over PSV Eindhoven and that lands them Barcelona, who beat Spurs in the last 16. Now, in real life, Liverpool and Barcelona are actually played in the last 16. Uh, so I'm going to say things just go the same way. It's a 2-1 win for Liverpool at the Camp Nou, that famous Craig Bellamy golf swing. Bringing it back to pro clubs, actually. Famous uh, <laughs> celebration of your pro is the golf swing celebration, obviously. Maybe made famous by Craig Bellamy at the Camp Nou. Uh, but that obviously still happens. I wouldn't say that way. And despite a 1 0 defeat at Anfield, Liverpool go through on away goals. We're waiting for them in the semi finals. Is the league winners in 2006 and 2007, Manchester mm. United. First leg at Old Trafford, finishes 1 0 to United. Wayne Rooney goal. And he opens the score in Anfield at uh, Anfield 2. But then there is a historic comeback. Uh, you know, in Istanbul esque. Daniel Agger gets one back. Dirk Cow makes it 2-1 on the night. And then 10 minutes from time, the roof comes off. It's 3-1 Liverpool, 3-2 on aggregate. Can you guess the goal scorer? Uh, surely it's not. It the... is. It's the victorious <laughs> scouser of the night. Liverpool's new hero. Liverpool's number eight, Darren Potter. And He's that magic. is where Andy Gray gives us the big, it's Darren Potter, <laughs> yeah, beauty! That. Maybe just broke the mic. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's Darren Potter. He is the scouser in uh, Anfield right now. And uh, he's fucking doing bits, mate. And he actually gets an assist when Liverpool go 1-0 up in the final. Cut oh, back, beautiful. lands at the foot of uh, Michael Essien. I told oh. you that Liverpool spent that money well. Mm. They, Chelsea didn't need Essien because they went and got Gerrard. So Liverpool mm. take Essien. Um, but yeah, anyway, Essien turns up. It's 1-0. But Milan come back. And what would you expect from a five-man midfield of Perlo, Gattuso, Seydorf, Gerrard and Kaka? Quality. Barring Ambrosini for Gerard, that was actually Milan's midfield that night, which wow. is fucking crazy. Uh, but yeah, anyway, Inzaghi gets one back on the stroke of our time. Kaka puts AC Milan 2-1 up, and eight minutes from time, you guessed it, it's Steven Gerrard against mm. Liverpool that steals it. And as the final kind of nail in the coffin, this man has no loyalty now, uh, he celebrates wildly. He yeah. even cups his ears towards the Liverpool section uh, down in Athens, and AC Milan 3-1 uh, are the winners. And they win their second Champions League in three years. Mm. So we're now going to go slightly quick time. I need to because I've only got five minutes left and there is there is some arc yet to come. Um, but there's a few key points I want to cover. Firstly, the first little section we're going to do is 2007 to 2009. Yeah. Uh, so Roman Abramovich and Mourinho see Gerrard win a Champions League in Milan. And he's also notched them a Champions League in Coppa Italia double. Because uh, they won a Coppa Italia. They would have won the league had it not been for a points deduction because of Galaxy or Polly. Um 
But yeah, he's won two trophies for him. So Milan try and make it permanent, but as always, Gerard's sword will stay with the highest bidder, which mm. at this point in time is usually Chelsea. It's mm. a little kind of pay bump later and he's back at the bridge. Yeah. Not sure how Frankie Lamps is feeling about this, but Gerard's back. But the next season, 2007-8 season, no real jump. Gerard's good, but he's he's like a mercenary. He's got no real horse mm. in this race, to be honest. And uh, 2008 Frank Lampard is a shadow, a complete shadow of 2005 Frank Lampard. So when the old problems arise and the two can't play to it, play with each other, Lampard's mm. actually consistently dropped for John Obi Mikel, and it's Mikel and Gerrard midfield. Uh, Chelsea finished fourth, do creep in the Champions League, but Liverpool once again pip them to third. Mm. And the pair do actually still meet in the Champions League semi-finals that year, uh, but Liverpool are the better team now, like unquestionably the better team. So in this yeah. universe at the bridge, it still finishes nil-nil first leg. But it's back at Anfield where Gerard is met with a chorus of boos yeah. and Liverpool run out 2-0 winners to face in the final Manchester United, of course. Mm-hmm. It is United who get their revenge that year. It's 2-0 win. Rooney and Ronaldo, no bother. United mm-hmm. still win the Champions League in Moscow. And last point to touch on, Steve McLaren was just as stupid and tried to play Lampard and Gerrard together. And they yeah. also failed to qualify for Euro 2008. Uh, the only difference is that it was actually a 4-0, to, uh, 4-0 defeat to Slavin Bilic's big Croatians. <laughs> At Wembley, rather than I think it was three two in real life. I believe, and it's all rounded off by a pretty heated Gerard Lampard exchange at full time, which is the first kind of Mm. public signs that there's you know these two don't like each other. The year after, uh, Chelsea come forth again. Gerard looks disinterested, and he's getting dropped himself, to be honest. And Lampard's a bit part player at best. Mm. Uh, And those higher up within the club are clearly fed up with these underperforming midfielders. They actually splash out on a couple of new midfielders, a full twenty-seven million. For the combined Ooh. services of David Bentley and Samir Nasri from Blackburn and Marseille, respectively. And both wow. of them men score, along with Didier Drogba, who once again is the big man for the big occasion, in an FA Cup final winner over, over Everton, which mm. their only, uh, that was their only silverware of the period. But they did get knocked out uh, of the Champions League uh, thanks to uh, the group stages, but it was thanks in part to a 1-0 defeat to Atletico Madrid at the Vicente Calderon, mm. who was there at that point to score the goal. Sangria lover, Luis Garcia. He does love it. He, was. he loves Sangria. <laughs> so we're now going into hyperspeed before the kind of final arc, hmm. uh, which is 2009 to 2015. We've, we're nearly done here. Uh, Liverpool basically, throughout them six years, stay in top four contention hmm. consistently under the captaincy of club legend Darren Potter, uh, while Chelsea do improve from 2009 onwards. But to what extent, I don't really know. I think Liverpool are comfortably the better team over this period. Hmm. Uh, but that's largely down to the sales of Lampard and Gerrard in the summer of 2009. Uh, Lampard joins Manchester City, who've got a bit of money about them now, so they see an underperforming English player at Chelsea, and they take they take him on. Yeah. Uh, and while his curse is still hindering him, he does you know he does do better in Man City. He turns out to be mm. a bit of a success, and he actually scores a famous winner at Chelsea in a Premier League game at the Bridge in a title-winning campaign for City somewhere in there. But unlike Gerard, he doesn't celebrate. He's mm. he's very nice about it because you know he's privately, like. edu- he's privately educated and yeah. he knows <laughs> respect. You know. Anyway, he stays at City until 2015 before, as fated, he moves to New York City FC. Mm. Gerard, on the other hand, like to, I, I've told you, he's a sellsword, mate. He always has been, and he gets results. By 2015, Gerard's got six more titles to boast. Uh, he disregards his spell at AC Milan by joining crosstown rivals Inter in 2009, <laughs> uh, win the Serie A title, and then the Champions League in 2010. Mm. Uh, in 2011, he then moves to Angie Mashach Kala, 
uh, where, oh, he wins nice. a, where he wins the Russian Super League along with oh, Big Sammy Eto. And uh, who was, it was it Balas Zuzak was the other one that had a good card on FIFA yeah. that I always quite liked. Um, anyway, next two years, then he naturally moved to the kind of next level of oil money in football, and that's Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, he wins two league guard titles there before the worst of the bunch moving back in 2014 to British Shores an FA Cup final winner he scored against Aston Villa in 2015 the only goal in a 1-0 win actually for Manchester United mm. dicey dicey one mm. but on exactly half an hour I've got one <laughs> one last little arc which I'll be honest I'm, I was kind of I'm in the iron whether to include it but I, you oh, know I want to hear it I'll, I I'll want go to hear it three minutes over yeah do it the final act comes at 2015 both of these careers as it was in real life takes place across the pond in the United States of America mm. Frank Lampard in New York City Steven Gerrard in real life at LA Galaxy uh, but once Gerrard's had his one year playing at Man United just to piss all Scousers off He's looking for another way out. He's looking for one last big payday. And they play, they do pay pretty well in America if you're yeah. one of their little designated players. He sees Lampard move to New York City. So what does Gerard do? Gerard responds to that. In one final act of shithousery, the final chance to get one up on his midfield partner. And it's a you know, it's a poorly kept secret the two don't get on at this point. Yeah. And also just one last fuck you to football purists in general. People love the beautiful game for mm. what it is. Gerard goes out of his way to seek a move to uh, the Red Bull football family oh. uh, in New York City. Well, technically New Jersey. Uh, but, you know, he wants <laughs> to move true. to the same market as Frank Lampard and really yeah. fucking put one over him. He seals a move to New York Red Bulls. Is it a direct move to Lampard moving to the same city? Almost certainly, but it does capture the imagination of soccer fans all over the country and the world, to be honest, and serves yeah. to propel relatively young Hudson River Derby at the time into life uh, so they both joined on the 1st of July 2015 they mm. both agreed earlier and then moved on that day uh, and played in just four regular season derbies Lampard and New York City won one Gerard won the other three with the Red Bulls and one of them was if you're up with your MLS history a famous 7-0 win at Yankee Stadium home of New York City uh, I've decided Gerard scores the seventh goal in that game and does a kind of Jamie Vardy-esque fucking big celebration like he's just made it 1-0 because uh, he's a dick at this yeah. point, to be honest. Snap a corn flag. Uh, that season, the end of it, the Red Bulls win the Eastern Conference, which is like the Eastern half of the MLS, and New York City a second, which means there will be one last chance for Lampard to gain revenge mm. in the 2016 Conference Final. So essentially the semi-final before like the big final. I never thought um, it would end here. I've got to be honest. <laughs> I, I don't think anyone did. I'm not sure it didn't. When I was halfway through, I really didn't think it would. But anyway, this is a big. This is the big showdown that all like, American soccer fans yeah. had been hoping for the whole time. And it's a tight two-legged tie. The first leg at New York City finishes one all, and it is a Lampard goal, which is cancelled out mm. by legend Bradley Wright Phillips oh, yes. uh, over that neck of the woods. Back at Red Bull Arena, old problems come to bite Stephen not Stephen Gerrard Frank Lampard Stephen Gerrard takes advantage New York City get a penalty with about half an hour left and Lampard takes biggest player in the team he chokes again he misses wide right he's not even on target and as is the way of the non-romantic football fan when Red Bulls get a late penalty Stephen Gerrard steps up he's stone cold and he couldn't give a fuck <laughs> he couldn't give a fuck if they get knocked out he smacks the shit out of it it's the top left corner and how does he celebrate he just turns around and looks at Frank Lampard. Oh, wow. Dead in the eyes. <laughs> dead. Fucking carves him. But 
for the football purists who rank loyalty and effectiveness and non-energy drinks brands in football mm. over everything else, this tall tale does end up with a victory for you. And I'll tell you why. Because Gerard doesn't end his career in 2016 with the MLS Cup. What with Steven Gerrard not joining LA Galaxy, that meant uh, the Galaxy had signed someone else. The New York Red Bulls are the representatives of the Eastern Conference in the final, and they come up against the winners of the West, which is LA Galaxy, obviously, mm. West Coast team. And who scores the only goal of the game in a 1-0 win? The man that should have started any of them games in the World Cup in 2006. A summer 2016 arrival from Manchester United, Mr. <laughs> Michael Carrick. He scores the winner, and LA Galaxy have got white and... I don't even know what colours they but It's like white and navy. They've got confetti. Yes. That's all you need to know. They win. Gerard loses. Brilliant. He couldn't give a shit, but Michael Carrick beats him right at the death. It's a forgotten hero, a forgotten oh, man who gets the final glory. So do Michael Carrick's galaxy ever begin a dynasty? And do Lampard and Gerard ever clash again as gaffers? I'll let the fans decide, but that is the end of my tall tale. Wow. 34 minutes. Well, what take a tale it. it was. I will take it for the... for the. I'm extremely glad you kept that ending in because, God, that was a, a wild ending. I'd, I'll be I'd, honest. That's that like... like go sorry, on. go on. After you. Okay. <laughs> it's a real, real problem is when we're not in the same room now. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll be honest. That was like the first idea that came to my head and then I had like everything else and I was like, do I keep it in? Part yeah. of it was because we made all them references to that American bloke that apparently watched or listened to one of them. In the last episode, I was like, I'll get the Red Bulls in here somehow. I'll find yeah. a way to do that. But, you know, it, it spiralled, really. Oh, mate, it was a fantastic tall tale. Um, I'm a big fan of... I love a rivalry. A little bit akin to my yeah. last tall tale, you know, the old yeah. Ozil Wilshire rivalry. Something that I what? think... A lot of narrative in it. You know, I love it. I love a rivalry. Yeah, I used I used your uh, last tall tale as definitely some uh, inspiration there. I did like the whole rivalry angle. And I feel like Gerard Lampard's just such an interesting one. Yeah. Because I... I refuse to believe them two do actually like each other no they can't i feel like both of them were you know competing for all kinds of titles at mm. that point and what liverpool knocked chelsea out two champions league semi-finals and chelsea robbed liverpool i say robbed liverpool liverpool weren't really near it but they got all the kind of premier league titles and to be honest they were just dysfunctional together yeah had definitely. they been better together that we would have had a decent chance of winning the national trophy yeah. At some point there, you'd have thought. So yeah, yeah. I, I refuse to believe they actually like each other. So I thought I, I'll manifest that somehow. I like it, and obviously I do have to ask before we move on to my hotel: Is there a, a particular universe that you'd rather live in, the real life universe or the uh, ghost goalless universe that you've put together? I would absolutely prefer living in the universe that I've just created. Not just mm. because West Ham get a fourth FA Cup and mm. me and my dad aren't scarred for the rest of our lives. Uh, by being directly behind the other goal when Gerard scores from 143 mm. yards out, um, but also I just I just live for that image of Gerard turning round and looking <laughs> at Lampard when he scores a penalty. As yeah. a guy that you know, West Ham fans at that point, the, you know, Gerard's already made his bed. We don't like Frank Lampard at this point. Yeah. So to see Gerard do that, and we've got no reason to dislike Gerard now because he no. hasn't scored against us in the FA Cup final. Yeah, fair point. So I would, I would live for Gerard Shithousery and Lampard crying into his cornflakes somewhere in Broadway or Manhattan or something. Or his steak and eggs. It wouldn't be cornflakes, would it? It'd yeah, be true. some weird American waffles and yeah, butter. syrup and freedom. Fucking I, listen, I love Americans. Yeah, they're great. 
you make weird breakfast. Anyway, <laughs> frog. <laughs> too big. It's portion sizing is a real issue. Anyway, anyway yeah. but that's I want to hear what you've tale. cooked up. Yeah, I want to hear what you've cooked up. Well, for this tall tale, Tim, uh, I'm going to start the clock first of all. Yeah, that's crucial. Start your clock. I really like how we've incorporated that now as a crucial part, yeah. and I'm already eating into your time. I've got real power <laughs> while I can see the talk. <laughs> um, listen, here's my tall tale. My tall tale really is all about the highs and lows of British teams in Europe and European okay. competition. Uh, it's just it's a tale of historic performances. A piss up in Paris. <laughs> Funnily enough. <laughs> My told tale is also about flying the flag for Trinidad and Tobago yeah. in, a, in, in a very different sense, but in an equal capacity. Okay. My told tale is uh, got some fiery post-match press conferences in there. Brilliant. Some spooky defending, and <laughs> um, the tenth best zoo in Slovakia. So, <laughs> so, so. So. Fourth minute in, Champions League semi-final, second leg at Anfield. Risa, John Arner, uh, actually low-key, he nutmegs Lampard for that ghost goal, Does which he? is, he, yeah, I believe so. Brilliant. At least dribbles around him. I think it's a nutmeg. Anyway, he nutmegs Lampard, left wing, gives the ball inside for Gerrard, which and it's actually a really nice first-time flicked path into the path yeah. of a uh, flicked path. Flicked pass flicked into, path. The, into the path of uh, Milan Barosh, um, who gets clattered by Jersey Dudek. But then Luis Garcia nips in, shoots the ball towards goal. Gallus back on the cover, cleared away, but the ref gives it. Mm. Except he doesn't in this Don't give it. And then there's pandemonium. <laughs> Liverpool players are absolutely surrounding the referee. They're saying it's a goal. They're saying it's if it's not a goal, it's at least a penalty because Dudek clattered. I'm kicking my beer over. Dudek I've, clattered. I've got Barros in the box. Check. It's not Dudek. Surely. That's what I said. Pet check. <laughs> Dudek actually sprinted up. Did he? Yeah, I knew box. he was involved somewhere. I just wanted to work Four out why he was on penalties smash. as well. So. <laughs> Sorry, Petr Cech clattered, um, clattered Milan Barish. Anyway, uh, Anfield crowd, as you can imagine, they're kicking off. Chelsea players are arguing with the Liverpool players. Fourth official is separating Rafa Benitez and Mourinho. It's all going Brilliant. on. Brilliant. The man in charge, the man in black, the man in the refereeing jersey that night was, as you rightly pointed out, Michel Lubos. Uh, a UEFA referee from the town of Stropkov, a uh, small town, <laughs> eastern Slovakia, um, which is home to Zoo Park, uh, list, listed as the 10th best zoo in Slovakia. That's good. Um, if you want a proper zoo, I would recommend Bojniki Zoo, um, which okay. is the oldest zoo in Slovakia, so perhaps experience is, is a factor. Um, but always that, thought it is with zoos. And, you know, Bojniki Zoo is home to over 200 different species of, uh, of, of, of mammals and indeed birds. Um, on the Zoo Park website, they only seem they had about 50, 50 photos in the gallery, all of the same goat. So you know, who knows if they've got any other animals at Zoo Park? Uh, yeah, that's I why feel it's a like what they're zoo. describing is a field with yeah. a solitary goat. Anyway, Michel Lubos, he's the man in charge from Stropkov in Slovakia. Right. Um, he was actually rated as the third best referee on UEFA's books when he gave that decision to give that goal. Let that sink in for a minute. He gave that goal in real life. (laughs) But, you know, Michel Lubos from Stropkov, home of the 10th best team in Slovakia, in this tall tale, he doesn't give it. Okay. And he doesn't give the penalty either, because I'm much the same as you. You could give a penalty, but where's the fun in that? You know, Michel Lubos is obviously not great at refereeing, (laughs) and he doesn't give it. 
But that's exciting because we've got a totally different game four minutes in. It's yeah. an unusually early sliding doors moment in the match, which I think is quite fun. Yeah. Um, and it is a totally different game, but the odds are still heavily in favour of Liverpool. They've got home time, um, and they keep probing. Uh, Mourinho's Chelsea, they're doing the Chelsea thing, they're defending. Gets to half time and it's still nil nil. Second half at this point, the game swings really the other way. Now all the uh, the uh, odds are in Chelsea's favour, as you rightly point out. Every time away yeah. goals is brought up, you can grab that away goal in the uh, in the second leg. They're laughing, and it makes for a very tense Anfield because if you know in the last forty five minutes of this whole time, just get one goal, that's like scoring two. So it's yeah. a slightly jittery Anfield, but there's breakthrough on the sixty fifth minute, and it's Liverpool okay. who have a free kick on the edge of the box. Gerard lines it up. Hits the wall, but it squirms through. And the only man gambling on a loose ball breaking in the box is none other than Milan Barosh. There he is. at the heart of the ghost goal incident. Much in the same way, I'm, I think he gets the ball. But he actually he pokes it in this time, past okay. Pete's check. It's a poacher's goal. Battle of the checks. Battle of the checks, <laughs> it is. It's a poacher's goal. Offside flag stays down, and it's 1-0 Liverpool. Okay. So there'll be no extra time in this game. But Liverpool have got another 25 Rush minutes to hang on or try and score another. And now Jose switches gears. You know, he, he can go back to defending if Chelsea score, but he's got a great get a goal here. Kesman comes on. Arjen Robin comes on. Chelsea go for it. One of those substitutions is much more threatening than the other. It's Matata Kesman, isn't it? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> it is a proper Barclays last 20 minutes now. But a little bit of Barclays to Europe here. Chelsea throwing <laughs> it everything. <seeps> it just <laughs> seeps in. Chelsea are throwing everything at Liverpool, but Jersey Dudek is pulling off save after stunning save to deny Robin, then Drogba, then Lampard, all in the second half. As the minutes are ticking away, Liverpool are edging closer and closer and closer to that final in Istanbul. And we're into injury time, and it's 1-0 to Liverpool. And as it stands, they're going through on aggregate. I feel like there's a twist in this tall tale. But then, there's there an incident. Didier Drogba exchanges a 1-2 with Arnie and Robin. And he darts into the box. And Jimmy Traore is the man tracking the run. It's He's tracking the run. Already. He's tracking the run. He's not really that close to Drogba. It was at quite a tight angle. You know. Yeah. But then, under seemingly very little contact from Traore, Drogba goes down, arms flailing, very dramatic. It's quite obviously a desperado play. You know, we need, we're not getting through this defence yeah. and this goalkeeper in open play. I've got to go down to the box at the earliest opportunity. And Drogba wasn't above that at all. No. The Chelsea players are like appealing to the referee more in like hope than expectation. But to everyone's surprise, Michel Lubos, the man from Stropkov, home of the Tempfestu in Slovakia, <laughs> gives it. Which is pandemonium part two in this game. The Liverpool players are around the ref once again. They can't believe he's given a penalty against him. Yeah. Uh, especially after Petr Cech clattering Barosh at the ghost goal moment. That wasn't even given as a penalty. Drogba diving has yeah, been given yeah. as a penalty. But penalty's given. You know, it's been given. Frank Lampard steps up, shoots, scores. Top right. Chelsea, one all, Away goal. They've qualified to the Champions League. Got the last it. kick of the game, effectively. Ooh. And there's obviously absolute uproar from uh, Anfield. Uh, yeah. Arguments from Liverpool players went long after the final whistle, but the results stood. As you can imagine, the post-match interviews were definitely worth listening to. <laughs> uh, Jose Mourinho simply said that he didn't see. 
he didn't see. Oh, he, he did. He was there was footage of him looking at the incident directly like, at the incident. Didn't I didn't see it. I did not see it. Um, Rafa Benitez absolutely spitting feathers as you could imagine. Uh, when mm. asked if there was contact for the penalty, he simply said, "I don't know." Not from a player on the pitch. Perhaps Didier was tripped by a ghost. And from that day forward, no! the ghost penalty became a famous phrase in English football, thanks to this game. <laughs> so ghosts are fated. You know, that, that, that's what we can glean from yeah. this. There's a spooky element to this town. It's a, extremely spooky in mid-February. <laughs> but listen, what's the upshot of all of this? The upshot is that Chelsea are in a Champions League final in Istanbul, which is pretty crazy, as you point out. Not really something mm. they've got a lot of form for. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is the 0405 season. By the time the semi final played, Chelsea had la- wrapped up the league. Um, the Prem was done. Yeah. Um, Liverpool did end up finishing fifth, Everton in fourth. As per league rulings, that meant that Everton entered the Champions League at the third qualifying round, Liverpool down in the UEFA Cup. Yeah. But listen, final. It's final time. It's Chelsea versus Milan in the Champions League final. Game kicks off, and there is an early goal. Club captain John Terry gives oh, Chelsea the lead early doors with a stunning okay. header from a corner. One nil, and before the stroke of half time, half time, Ida Good Johnson adds two There's more for Chelsea to give the Blues a three nil scoreline at the break. And this looks like done and dusted, you know. It's Rabbi, over the contest. Cool. This is Istanbul, is it not? <laughs> The second half kicks off, and within 15 minutes, it's level at 3-3. And let me tell you, Jeez. it's Kaka with a stunning hat-trick. Makes a mockery oh, of the Chelsea defence. They've kept so many clean sheets in the Premier League. He does not care. And Kaka doesn't stop there. What later became known as the greatest individual performance in Champions League final history, Kaka adds a, a fourth on 75 minutes and a fifth in added time you are to secure Milan a 5-3 win. And Kaka Istanbul, got five. He's got every single one, mate. What a boy. Istanbul that night was not just remembered for a stunning Milan comeback, but for the unbelievable clinic that Kaka put on. Um, <laughs> that night uh, became fondly remembered for the game played at the Kakaturk Arena, as opposed to the Ataturk Arena. <laughs> <laughs> so that might be the best. I- I'll be honest, mate. I'm happy to wrap the podcast up there. <laughs> I'm happy to finish it if you are, because I don't think we top that. <laughs> but uh, whilst fans and pundits were all waxing lyrical about Kaka's performance, it very much went under the radar that Chelsea had chucked away a 3 0 lead at mm. half time here. And Jose was very, very unhappy in his post match press conference, outwardly blaming his players for complacency. <laughs> Jose told the press that the only thing that he asked of his players at half time was not to lose the game. And they disobeyed him. <laughs> How could he ever trust them again? I don't, quite frankly. I never have and I never will. 0506. We start the 0506 season, and in this tall tale, Jose Mourinho is sacked from Chelsea before really? the season even begins. Okay. Off the back of a double winning season and a Champions League final, inexplicably, Mourinho does not oversee Chelsea's final game, uh, first game of the season, away at Wigan because he is sacked by Abramovich in fairly mysterious circumstances. Mm. Except the circumstances aren't that mysterious, because uh, apparently a number of Chelsea players went to Abramovich complaining that Mourinho's post-match press conference uh, that were not very nice. And uh, Lampard and Terry and all them just got him sacked. Brilliant. That's, that's on brand for them. Hmm. 
Steve Clark was uh, actually the man in the dugout for Chelsea in 2005-06. Former Chelsea legend and Mourinho's right-hand man. He was the man that ultimately the players selected to take the team forward. Hmm. And Steve Clark, you know, he's a good manager. He's not quite Mourinho. Uh, and Chelsea do not win 2005-06 Premier League. In fact, Chelsea finish fourth. Okay. So potentially, Lasagna Gate in this universe never happens, you know. But uh, hmm. if you want to know about that, check out episode two. <laughs> so the winners of the Premier League this season are Manchester United instead. Liverpool come second, Arsenal come third, Chelsea win fourth. Okay. Champions League, though, things were very, 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 very different. If you remember last year, Everton came in fourth and they qualified for the Champions League qualifying rounds. Hmm. Um, but they did not make it through the qualifiers and they will only be mentioned once more in this tall tale. And never okay. If you remember, though, Chelsea and Liverpool in that 0506 season were actually drawn into the same group. Yeah, um, that's mental. I weird. can't believe that. Very yeah. odd. Um, don't know why, but Liverpool actually topped it and Chelsea came second. However, because Liverpool only finished six, uh, fifth in the previous season and didn't win the Champions League, um, they were in the UEFA Cup instead. Yeah. Uh, and because Everton didn't qualify, that meant that the team that beat Everton in the qualifying round went into the group with Chelsea. Um, and that team happened to be Villarreal. Um, okay. And the man who helped to score, uh, sorry, the man who scored a goal to help Villarreal into that group uh, and subsequently helped Villarreal into the semi-finals of the competition in real life was Diego Forlan. Uh, the man who scored a World Cup winning over a kick in a previous tall tale. Go listen to episode five if you uh, if that's piqued your interest. As we well know, yeah, it wasn't my tall tale. Yeah, that man had more hold on the Jabalani than anything <laughs> ever. He had more hold on the Jabalani than I will ever have over anything. Any aspects of your life moving forward? <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, as we all know, back in 2014, Diego Forlan had a two-year stint with. Serizo Ozaka, which is the delightful yeah! shirt. There he made is. 42 appearances, scoring 17 times. Not a bad return for the Japanese Giants, but hence that's why I'm wearing this delightful Serizo Osaka shirt with official J League badging. I was um, really hoping that there. I was. I was just looking forward to some kind of Japanese yeah. link. I was actually because <laughs> I've entirely ran out of things to watch on Netflix. I was forced to watch a entirely Japanese language series yeah. on. Uh, Netflix this last week. So that's quite on brand, actually, and I'm very invested in that now. There you go. Well, um, fun fact about Cerezo Osaka, uh, the word Cerezo is actually Spanish for cherry tree, um, is which is the yeah. like the official plant of the region that Osaka's in. Uh, right. And it's the cherry tree is also the name of one out of the two Weatherspoons in the centre of my hometown, Huddersfield. Is um, it? Cherry tree, famously Lovely. the inferior of the two Weatherspoons, if you do want a proper Weatherspoons, go to Lord Wilson on Kingsgate. But I digress. I will. Well, not anytime soon because the <laughs> hospitality industry is sadly dead. That's but, true. you know, uh, you know, I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I like that as well. Cerezo Azarka, Cherry Tree, Great Huddersfield, me. Um, and I've spent many a happy Great and links. unhappy night in that Weatherspoons. <laughs> um, so Chelsea under Steve Clark. They're in a Champions League group with Villarreal, Real Betis, and Anderlecht. Uh, not surprisingly, Chelsea top what is essentially an Intertoto Cup group. Uh, Villarreal <laughs> are in second. Um, in real life, Villarreal were actually in a different group, topping Manchester United's group. But no, now Chelsea okay. and Villarreal are in Chelsea's group. I calculated that um, 
that uh, CSKA Sofia are now in Man United. Mm, Man the United Bulgarians, bottom. Eh? Bulgarians. Man United finished bottom, so it doesn't really matter. So, because uh, because Chelsea top their group, they have a first round tie against Benfica, which they go through. Okay. They now go through to play Barcelona in the quarterfinals, who had just knocked out Villarreal in the round of 16. Okay. Um, and this is Chelsea versus Barcelona in the Champions League. So there's only one outcome. It's a 1 0 win in both legs, an own goal in, by Thiago Motta in the first leg, then a late Lampard goal at the new camp puts Chelsea through to the semis, uh, knocking out actual winners in real life Barcelona, of course. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, and it's semi final time against none other than AC Milan. Is revenge on the card? Is a replay of the last final? No. It's uh, nil nil in both legs, and after a grueling sudden death penalty shootout, Claude Makalele misses a crucial penalty for Chelsea, and they are out Claude. at the semi final stage. So it's AC Milan that go through, and they get the chance to retain the Champions League trophy, a feat that no one had done since the competition had been revamped in this final for the second year won it. They won it the first time round. And this so 5-0-6 when Arsenal made it to the final. Yeah. Except in this tall tale, Milan had a very different opponent. Okay. Because Villarreal got seeded into a group with Chelsea, do you remember me saying that CSK Sofia were placed into Villarreal's old group? No way! <laughs> Let's have it, boys! You'd be entirely wrong in your assumption there, Tim. Oh, CSK Sofia replaced Villarreal in the tournament, and in this tall tale, uh, CSK Sofia, they did make it to the knockout rounds uh, for the first time since 99, so big up the boys from Sofia. Big up them. But the reason this is all relevant is because CSKA's knockout game famously for them, in the round of 16, was against Rangers. Rangers okay. beat CSK Sphere, which starts off an unprecedented run to the Champions League final for the Scottish Giants. Brilliant. They go on to play Internazionale in the quarterfinals. They suffer a 2-0 defeat in the first leg of the San Siro, but at a famous night at Ambro- uh, Ibrox, a brace each from Chris Boyd and Peter Lovenkranz gives them a 4-1 win. Which puts them Chris Boyd would three. get two mentions on the Patchy oh. podcast. Oh, it's two more than anyone deserves, but especially... <laughs> We're in at the semi-finals now. Rangers meet Arsenal on that side of the draw. And let me oh, tell that's you, a huge that is, tie. That's it's a great just as tie. tasty as it sounds. Yeah. First legs at the Emirates. It's a 1-0 win for Arsenal. It's a Colo Torre win. Wait, is this, wait, sorry, is this 5-6? This is a bit yes. of Highbury. That's even better. That's this e- absolutely even better. true. Because that was their last year at Highbury, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a fair point well made. Yeah, first leg's at Highbury. God, that would be good. Um, <laughs> Colatory smashes a winner in. But bringing them back to Ibrox, you know, Rangers score first. Dado Perso, if you remember him. Big Croatian you. look. There's a name. Yeah. He puts Rangers 1-0 up. Barry Ferguson puts Rangers 2-0 up with a long-range effort. Half-time, Rangers are 2-1 up in the tie. And Rangers hang on with some heroic defending to see them through the Champions League final for the first time in their history. It's a very important one. Celtic have won the European Cup. We all know about them, the Lisbon Lions, back (laughs) in the 60s. But now it's Rangers. Funnily enough, Celtic played Inter in their final. Rangers have got Milan at the part of France. Oh, the symmetry is almost too symmetrical. And it is a famous, 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 famous goal from Marvin Andrews on the 80th minute. The man from Trinidad and Tobago who seals the Champions League for Rangers for the first time (laughs) becomes the first Trinidadian to score in a European Cup final. (laughs) There can't be many. 
Alex McLeish adds his name to the illustrious list of European Cup winning managers. Alex McLeish. What a terrible, terrible manager. I fucking love that. 06-07 now. And football is still slightly in shock from uh, Rangers winning the Champions League. But, you know, what else is happening? Manchester United do win the Premier League, as faded. Right. Uh, Chelsea, now under new management of Fabio Capello, not for the first time in fact. Lovely, yeah. As he got a Chelsea. Check episode three, I think it was. It's You know why? It's because any like arc with Chelsea, there's like a strong chance that Mourinho, Mourinho is it in his first spell. Yeah. And there are just no other better shouts at manager. If Mourinho not had left point. in 05 06, they would have got Capello in without a shadow of a doubt in real life. So, yeah. Right, it's McLeish. Well, oh, that would be brilliant. Oh, why don't I think of that? <laughs> Next time. We're doing the... Actually, yeah, no, we'll, we'll find a way to do that. What if Alex McLeish went to Chelsea? <laughs> now under... Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, sadly enough, in this tall tale, Chelsea got Capello. Um, <laughs> but uh, he struggled in his first season, Capello, and he finished mm. fourth. Liverpool finished second. Arsenal okay. finished third. 06-07 Champions League is a bit of a spicy one. Um, if you're wondering, Rangers didn't make it to the group stage after winning the previous ah. competition. Real shame. Um, yeah, they went in at the third qualifying round, uh, but they lost out to uh, NK Shiroki Bridgeg, a Bosnian team. Um, yeah, the Balkans are getting, you know, oh, a few a lot of here. Um, my favourite thing about NK Shiroki Bridgeg is uh, that their official nickname is listed as Plavi, uh, which is Bosnian for the Blues. And I, I really like the optimism of them hoping that the entire football world associates the blue team with uh, NK Shiroki Bridgeg. Oh, the, the blue one. I always have to be fair. <laughs> you say blue to me, and I say the old NSB boys. NK Shiroki Bridgeg. Anyway, um, Chelsea had struggled in Capello's first season. They didn't get to the semi finals of the Champions League this year. Yeah. Uh, they were knocked out by Valencia in the quarter. Okay. Um, and this is actually when Valencia were like decent. Yeah. Um, and Valencia met Liverpool in the semis in a Rafa Benitez derby. Um, it's his old team that won 2-0 in both legs. Goals from David Villa, David Silva, David Albelda, and of course, <laughs> Hugo Viana. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Legend of my Reading FMI career mode, though. So, oh, hold tight, time. Hugo Viana. Um, Milan still beat Manchester United in the other semi-finals as Feyenoord in order to set up a Milan-Valencia derby. Uh, derby? Well, maybe. Final in Athens. Um, and Milan do get their trophy back. It's three three finals in three years for Milan. Two trophies. Uh, Alberto Giardino, the scorer. A name as well. In a 1-0 win on the night. I quite like Giardino. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think it's a cool name to say. I think that was the only reason I really liked yeah. Giardino. Did he play for Fiorentina as well? Which yeah. I feel like is quite niche. I think he played for everyone. I think he was one of those played, Italian yeah, yeah. strikers that stuck around until he was 38 and just banged goals. Like Quagliarella. Luke Tony as well. Luke Tony, I think, ended up at fucking Hellas Verona or something, just yeah. banging goals in like left, right, and center. I swear he was like in his, he was like 38 and top scorer yeah. in the league or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Oh, Luca Tony is the, the real pinnacle of an Italian striker. Yeah, he's, he's the kind of top, top tier <laughs> of that level of Italian striker. The final boss, if you will. <laughs> um... So yeah, Milan won uh, against Valencia in uh, Athens uh, in that Champions League final in 06-07. That was pretty much 06-07 wrapped up. Fairly academic what happened that season um, mm. because the real crescendo of this tall tale peaks in a season that I like to call 
2007-2008. It's got a ring to it. Here's the crescendo. Crescendo. We, d- we don't care about domestic competition. Right, Man United win the Premier League, Chelsea come second, Arsenal come third, Liverpool come fourth, we don't care. Okay. Where's the spice? The spice is in our old friend, the Champions League. Because of where the Premier League teams finished in the previous season, things are slightly different for the English clubs in Europe. Liverpool play Olympiacos in the round of 16 to set up a quarterfinal against my boys, Fenerbahce, who they beat to reach the semi-finals. So Liverpool are in the semi-final. Okay. Arsenal play Inter in the round of 16, and Arsenal lose. Chelsea play AC Milan in the same sort of bracket of round of 16. So Chelsea lose. No. Ah. Chelsea get dicked on by AC Milan in three separate occasions. Nah, which shame. It's not a shame. That's actually fantastic. <laughs> it's a detail that I enjoy. I like to think that Kaka <laughs> scored like five goals in every game and it was like yeah. a 15 nil aggregate <laughs> scoreline. It's one of them stats that like comes out like very often <laughs> by the third game. He's like, Kaka scored 12 goals in his last four outings <laughs> against Chelsea. Um, but it does set up a Milan derby quarterfinal, mm. which AC Milan win. Pitting them against Liverpool in that semi-final. So finally, in this tall tale, finally, Liverpool and Milan are meeting in the Champions League. And after a one-all draw at Anfield, a three-all draw at the San Siro puts Liverpool through on away goals. Brilliant. So Liverpool have finally made it to their Champions League final under big Rafa Benitez. In the other semi-finals, of course, Manchester United against Barcelona. Um Manchester United, as fated, get the better of Barcelona, and it sets up an, a fated all-English final in Moscow. Brilliant. Instead of Man United and Chelsea, it's Man United versus Liverpool. That's class. Uh, not for the I first time, both my the tall tales. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I just love a derby final. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. Cannot beat it. The game kicks off, and it's anything but KG. Ten minutes in, Ronaldo scores Man United 1-0. Fifteen minutes in, Gerrard equalises 1-0. Then it just becomes bad-tempered. You know, the referee the referee on the night is handing out yellow cards left, right and centre. The game sort of goes on. 60, uh, 76 minutes. A goal goes in that will forever live in infamy. Okay. Steve Finnan has the ball. Jesus. <laughs> has the ball on the right wing. You'll like this next bit. He plays it inside to Yossi Benayoun. My guy. What this shirt with pride. <laughs> Who plays a first-time ball into the box for the on-rushing Dirk Cow to get on the end of. Great player. Edwin van der Sar comes rushing out, but takes none of the ball and flattens Dirkie. And the ball breaks in the box. And the first man on the scene is Fernando Torres. Who shoots the ball towards goal? Only for Rio Ferdinand to make an amazing goal line clearance. But wait, what's this? What body part is it with, though? Well, it's with his uh, right heel. Heel, is it? Okay, I was expecting a handball, red card sending off situation, but we move. Carry on. Well, let me tell you, Tim. He clears the ball off the line, but the referee's waving his arm. And the referee has said that it's gone over the line. No! The goal is given. And there's pandemonium. The players are crowding the referee. You know, what? how could the referee have given that? Shocking. Well, I'll tell you. I can see it from here. I'll tell you. 
there is one man born in the eastern Slovakian town oh, of Stropkov, home oh, to no. the 10th best zoo in Slovakia, once considered the third best referee in UEFA, a man called Michel Lubos, who in real life, and in this one tale, was selected to officiate the biggest game of his life, the 2008 Champions League final. And if there's one he thing... He himself in so much glory the last time he got a big Champions League night, to be fair. Well, he was the third best referee they had. Um, <laughs> the other two were busy, were they? I don't want to see the fourth one. Um, <laughs> and listen, if there's one thing that we should come to learn about Michel Lubos, is that Michel Lubos giveth, and Michel Lubos, <laughs> he taketh away. He took away at the start of this tall tale, and here against Manchester United <laughs> in the Champions League final... He giveth the fated ghost goal. Liverpool hang on to win the Champions League in Moscow 2-1 against Manchester United. What happens after that? That's for the people to decide. But that is what would have happened if the ghost goal in 04-05 was correctly chalked off. Sometimes you just can't stop fate. You can't. The ghost goal rears its ugly head. Back from the dead, you could say, in 07 08 <laughs> In, a, in perhaps even more tantalising circumstances in a final against Manchester United. But that is what would have happened if Michel Lubos had indeed chalked off the ghost goal when it happened. That is a, an absolutely first-class tall tale. That is really good. Thanks. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. That clocked in you, at you 29 minutes. Which is yeah, that was pleasing. perfect timing. That, that was yeah. really good. Much better handle on timing. Not quite as good a handling... Of the Jablani ball as Diego Forlan, but you do have a good handling on timing, <laughs> which is good. I love that tool tell. You said to me before we started that you were proud of this one, and uh, you're fucking well when your eyes speak. That was good. I really enjoyed that. Thanks, Chief. Uh, it was. It cup- was. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say that. It, um, I, I, I said to you before uh, before we started doing the podcast. I don't really remember writing this one. I've had for one reason or another. An, an insanely busy period and yeah. uh, this just sort of manifested to be honest there's like storylines that like come in and then sort of disappear this would be a good one to do a sequel to for me because I'm there's a lot of like oh, ideas yeah. that I just had to that I think I wrote it in about 18 different stages and uh Frankenstein Conster, he did a good job in the end, so I'm happy with it. Just kind of move through you I like to think that like when that goal's given for Torres at the end like even you were shocked like <laughs> little kind of things like that <laughs> I, there was a couple of things that I really liked about that. Um, I'm going to narrow it down to two things that I really liked. Firstly, was uh, just the comedic genius of you. Nah. Uh, not only did you bring in the Kakaturk Arena rather than the <laughs> Ataturk Arena, which is my favourite thing potentially you've ever done in, what, five, six years of being acquaintances. Associated. Um, associated with each other. Um, I fucking But then to fucking bring it back home right at the end, it was like, you know, the ghost goal comes back from the dead. That's brilliant. There's levels to that. You know, take yeah, a minute, yeah. if you're listening. Take a minute. <laughs> you know, that's absolutely brilliant what you've done there. And the other one is the uh, the Rangers arc. And I'll tell you exactly why. Is I can't remember... Um, I can't remember the name of the game. I think it was called Club Football. Do you ever have that game called Club Football on PlayStation? Oh, it like really, really rings a bell. So it was basically like it was club football, but it was for like different teams, essentially. Mm. So it was like club football, Real Madrid, club football, mm. Barcelona, club. And you could play at that ground. And there was like, it was, I don't really remember it, but I remember quite enjoying it. It was like 
an alternative to FIFA. There was actually other games then. There was FIFA and Pro Evo, but then it was like there was This Is Football. Yeah. There was Sensible Soccer. There was Club Football. LMA. You had a few. Yeah, LMA manager. There was quite a few. But I got Club Football Real Madrid for my mm. birthday because, I, you know, I was a young kid. I was what, like, this, it would have been 05, 06. Mm. So I would have been what? 10? Nine? Yeah, like eight or nine, something like that. Um, and for my birthday, I, you know, it was a big team. I was learning about football. Real Madrid seemed really cool and I had a six mm. stadium and I was just, I really like stadiums and shit. And I was like, you know, that was six. I got it for my birthday. And we went to like HMV or game or something to get it. And you know, they kind of, they don't have the disc in there so you can, so mm. you can't nick the disc or the game. They put the disc in behind the counter and right. they put in uh, Rangers, Club Football <laughs> Rangers rather than Club Football Rangers. I've never heard this story. That's no, brilliant. I don't think I've ever told you this one. It's, you know what? I completely forgot about it until you did that story. So they put, by accident, they put in Club Football Rangers rather than Club Football Real Madrid. No one checked it. It wrapped it up for my birthday. I opened it and it was Club Football Rangers rather than Club Football Real Madrid. And I was so excited to be playing with Beckham and Zidane <laughs> and Fat Ronaldo. And I cried. Because it was oh, Club Football Rangers, and I was playing hilarious. with fucking Peter Lovenkrantz. Yeah. Barry who, was the other, who was the other guy you said that really rang a bell? Uh, Perso. Perso. That's the one that... Rem- it was when you said Perso that I was like, fuck, I remember that game because I played with Perso. And I was like, well, I might as well fucking play it now. And it had Ibrox in the game and everything. Oh, and I remember winning, like... I don't think it was the European Cup because they probably didn't have licenses, but there was like some kind of European tournament. Yeah. I remember beating Borussia Dortmund in the final. Oh, nice. Oh, that's a final. Yeah, great final. But, yeah, I honestly, it brought back all kinds of memories <laughs> of European glory with Rangers at Ibrox, which I'd completely forgotten and consigned oh, to Oh, that's heart. fantastic. So I'm just grateful for that, to be honest. Oh, what, a, what a heartwarming end to this, uh, to this episode of Passion. Honestly, might be the most heartwarming episode we've had so far. West Ham have won a fourth FA Cup. Rangers have won a European title and brought back some memories. West Ham have beaten Sheffield United in real life, which, you know, suits us both. That's mutual benefit. I'm wearing a Cerezo Osaka top. You're wearing a top from a fucking J-League team. <laughs> Can we top it? And you said the Kakaturk Arena. No, I don't think... I don't know what we're doing for episode seven. But I'll be honest, if I were you, the listener, I wouldn't bother. I wouldn't bother. Just listen to this. Yeah, just go back to the start. You don't even have to listen to the outro. There's like a good like minute of that. Fucking get rid of that. Just go back to minute one, yeah, honestly. I would. But um, listen, it's been a hell of a journey, but uh, mm. I've pretty much run out of things to say. Have you got anything that you want to say to the people other than go follow us on Twitter at Football Fake Pod and check us out on YouTube and all that sort of thing? Those are the only things that I uh, wanted to say. Uh, I can't think of anything else. Yeah, like like the big man says, check us out on Facebook. Not Facebook. We're not on Facebook. We're not on Facebook. <laughs> what year is it? That's talking to ghosts. Um, ah, nice. Yeah, uh, Twitter, at Football Fake Pod. You've said all that. Spotify, YouTube, all them things. We're getting more of them on YouTube. That's coming. Yep. We're working around the editing, but we are, you know, we're both employed. We both, uh, we both do shit. So mm. uh, it's coming along. Um and yeah, that's about it, mate. I'm happy to uh, sign us off there if you're happy to let me. More than happy. More than happy. This has been, as always, the Football Fate and How to Change It podcast, episode six. Thank you ever so much for listening. Uh, stay safe, wash your hands, and uh, more than anything, please stay lucky. We'll see you in episode seven. Come back bye soon, bye. Please. Yeah, please do. Bye. Please. <laughs> please. <laughs>